Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, episode 16, Storming the Palace. I'm joined by Jack Davies, as always. How are we doing, fella? Yeah, a lot happier than midweek, mate. So excited to discuss the game today. Yeah, yeah, I am too. And we're joined by a guest. We're joined by Kamal, also better known on Twitter as at Lump of CFC. He's from the Worldwide Chelsea pod. Make sure you check them out. Kamal, how are we doing, man? Oh, great, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's a huge honour to be on. And like I said earlier, before we got technical issues, um, <laughs> no, I really appreciate it. You know, you support our podcast a lot. and It definitely means a lot. So as you said, you know, podcasts support each other, man. So definitely here for that. And again, thanks for having me on. Yeah, exactly. I mentioned you're I get a member and most of the time the host of the Worldwide Chelsea pod. Do you just want to like explain to listeners what your pod's about, really? Yeah, sure. Um, so, hence the name Worldwide Chelsea. We are fans internationally uh, from around the place. Um, at Worldwide Chelsea himself, Sadiq is the, the owner and the creator of everything he does. Um, he does YouTube and created a platform for just usual fans like myself and others to, to just talk all things Chelsea. Um, we are literally worldwide. We've got people from Indonesia, India, scattered around the US, you know, all in Europe as well. Um, so, yeah, we just created a podcast to, to talk as friends and to talk about the thing we love the most, like Chelsea. We do articles as well and just stuff like that, man. Just trying to get our voice out there and, you know, just be a part of this Chelsea content. Yeah. If anyone is listening to us, honestly, make sure you do check these guys out. Their pod is one of the best and they're not afraid to say it how it is. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> right. In part one, we're going to look back at Chelsea's 4-0 win over Crystal Palace. Right, well, that was uh, pretty comfortable in the end, boys. Um, Jack, just, you know, I guess, full-time feelings. How are you, how are you feeling after that 4-0 win? 
Yeah, very, very happy, mate. Uh, rest of my weekend will be good because if we lose on a Saturday, then the rest of my weekend's horrible. My mum doesn't like it. She always has a go at me. So why are you in a mood after the football? So it'll be a good rest of the weekend. Um, and just there was a lot of pressure on that game today. So to, to go out with a performance like that in the second half and put four past a decent Palace team before the international break definitely takes the pressure off us a bit. And the table looks a lot brighter now than it did a few hours ago. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. You know, sort of talk of, you know, Chelsea in a crisis. You know, I've obviously heard, you know, the stories in the week of Alonso getting a big dressing down from Frank, etc. And, you know, you know, Rudiger not in the squad again. Is he on the way out to Spurs? There's been a lot of sort of uncertainty and a sort of, a, a sort of I feel from the outside, an agenda sort of being trying to push by the media that Chelsea are in sort of a bit of trouble, but we got the 4 0 win and I'm buzzing. Uh, Kamal, anything you want to add on that? I had to follow up on, on what Jack said. It's I, I woke up at literally seven on the on the dot and uh, AM and you know like it can ruin an entire day for people over here in the, on the on the US border. Um, so you you east and west coast they're waking up at four o'clock. You know it, it can ruin your entire day, but a game like this is it makes the day so much smoother. You know, it's got a smile on your face. Everything else just is just so much easier and smoother. You you have no worries for the rest of the day. But four nil, you know, I wasn't expecting us to win four nil. Palace are a solid side, and they tend to give us issues. They tend to give us kind of like difficulty. You know, especially last year when we played them as well. It was if it wasn't for Zuma coming in in the last minute, if I'm mistaken, we draw that game three three. So yeah, it was it was quality performance. Second half was was unreal, and. Like like Jack said, man, we go into the international break with you know enthusiasm and high confidence, and we needed this so badly, especially a clean sheet. So this is this is class. Yeah, yeah, a brilliant day all round. Edward Mendy in goal. It was Kurt Zuma and Thiago Silva. The centre back partnership, probably I think the centre back partnership that most fans want to see Chelsea play this season. We had Ben Chilwell starting at left back. Finally an actual decent left-back playing in his correct position, one that can go forward and can defend as well. And then we had Azpi on the right to complete the balance. It was in a midfield two of Kante and Jorginho with Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Tammy Abraham up top. Uh, It was, I guess, a frustrating first half, you know, a lot of a ball but struggled to do much with it, but I guess the crucial thing was we got to half time uh, nil nil. I guess the only thing really to mention in that first half was uh, a great, you know, de- and decent chance for Timo Werner to score that was hit straight at uh, Vicente Guaita. Um, but the first half on the whole was probably largely uh, forgettable, really. It was, it, we always felt from the outset it was going to be one of those days we had to sort of be patient and grind them down, a bit similar to the game against Palace at the Bridge last season, where it was nil nil at half time and then we ended up coming away with a comfortable victory. But boys, the second half got off to an ideal start. And it was that man, Ben Chilwell, firing us into the lead. Jack, you know, Ben Chilwell finding himself in the box. We've seen, you know, a certain left-back do that over the years. But how great good was it for Ben Chilwell on his full Premier League debut for us to, you know, get off the mark. And he just put in such a solid performance. Yeah, definitely. Even just a solid performance, but for him to come away with a goal and an assist and a clean sheet, uh, he he must be absolutely buzzing after that. Couldn't have gone much better um, from like a full-back perspective. Just how he can get up and down and get back. That's the main thing, I think. 
up and down the pitch. He had a lot of space, I think, um, with Werner drifting in. So I felt like we didn't give him the ball enough in the first half, but second half we started to give it to him a bit more. And then his goal just was pure um, just instinct, just to actually gamble. Um, it looked a bit uh, dead after Callum had the cross like um, cut out, and then but Sacco made the mistake. But just for him to push on and get into the box, get beyond Townsend who switched off, and then he just absolutely fired it in the net. So yeah, I was really happy for him today. Great performance from him as as the whole defence. I think I saw that's the first clean sheet we've kept in 69 days. Oh, which is in too long. Pretty, a pretty poor statistic. Um, but yeah, I think Aspi coming in as well, um, I was really happy with that. Just the experience, especially playing a team like Palace, I think we needed that today. Um, so he, he did really well. And I, I think that back will definitely start the next game. I don't think Frank can have any questions about that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um Come on, I'll ask you then to pick up on Ben Shaw's performance. Obviously, we then made it 2-0 with a set piece. We saw a corner, <laughs> a corner beat the first man and there was Kurt Zuma to head home. How, how refreshing. Yeah, no, we, I mean, we've been begging for a competent corner taker for how long now? I mean, it's just William for the last six, seven years. Just Either he hits it too far and it goes off or a throw in or he misses the first man completely. But... You know, moving to Chilwell, his his performance was unreal. You know, it's we've finally finally got a competent left back who's, you know, can exactly like Jack said, he can run back and has the pace, the recovery pace. And to put in a shift, you know, for sixty minutes against Spurs and then coming in ninety minutes here, coming off an injury, you know, putting in a goal and assist, you know, you don't you, I was expecting I was expecting him to be good, but I wasn't expecting that kind of performance to start off his full first debut. In the Premier League, sorry. But this is exactly what we've wanted. You know, the the fan base was split. You know, Chilwell, Tagliafico, Tellez, so on and so forth. But to have someone who is experienced in this league and is still young, if I'm not mistaken, still only 22. So he's got light years ahead of him, man. This is exactly what we needed. And props to him. He had man of the match performance. Absolutely no doubt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That made it 2-0 and you could sort of, you could breathe and relax because although Palace offered nothing going forward, I don't think Mendy had to make a save. All he had to do was sort of claw out a dangerous cross. But, you know, with the threat Palace posed with Zaha, he's, you know, normally turns up against us. We dealt with him very, very well indeed. Um, one person I want to heap a lot of praise on today is Jorginho. Now, warning... In part two of this pod, which we recorded a day after we lost to Spurs, we were very critical of him and Mateo Kovacic. All right. So if you think we're being flip flop, there's just some context. For, okay. But he, con- I thought he was superb today. He controlled the game. You know, his distribution of the ball, he created a bring, you know, that through ball to Tammy, which he just couldn't quite get under control in the first half. And, you know, he just sort of set the tempo really today. And that's sort of what we know Jorginho can do. And we need to see more of him. And I would argue that's probably been arguably his best perform one of his best performances under Frank. Jack, would you agree? Yeah, prob- probably. I yeah, probably would agree. I I mean I said it in the first half, even when we were struggling to break Palace down, because their quality in that four four two formation, Roy Hodgson's got them very well drilled defensively. But 
honestly, I've never seen Jorginho play so many balls forward, I don't think. And then, like, yeah, we're struggling to break them down, etc. So he tries something different, like that long through ball over the top to Tammy. And it's good to see that. That's what we need some more of when we're struggling to break these teams down. Um, but, yeah, on the ball, there's never been any question about his technical ability. Um, his techni- technical ability is second to none, to be honest. Um, it's just it's just whether he can do that against the big teams where they've got a bit more firepower in those midfield areas if he can dominate the game as much as, as he did today. But hats off to him. Brilliant performance, even without the two penalties. So, yeah, quality performance from him too. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is a brilliant time, I guess, to link in this question. Obviously, we've got to ask you guys for some questions. I'll give this to you, Kamal. What does this Jorginho performance mean when, you know, most people's ideal midfield two, probably in the 4 2 3 one, they'd probably were maybe saying Kovacic and Kante. Kovacic certainly seems to be sort of the more favoured, you know, midfielder out of the two, I would, I would say, judging certainly amongst the sort of Twitter fan base. So what, what do you think this Jorginho performance means? Does it change much? I'm not sure if it changes much, but it depends, I guess, against the opposition. Um, especially when you know a team's going to be extremely low block, like Palace were today, where they just sit back and hope to break on the counter. So, Jorginho, we know like exactly what Jack said. Again, his, his quality takes, by the way, Jack. It's exactly what, you know, you expect him to do. You know, they, we know he can spray the ball around and ping it, you know, left, right, up the pitch. It's when he gets a bit suspect on the defensive side of things. So that's when Kovacic has that little bit of extra pace, a little bit extra oomph and desire to win a tackle. And don't get me wrong, Jorginho can do the certain things like the interceptions and such, but the, on the physical presence side of things, he just doesn't have it. So I think Jorginho was class today, absolutely. It was probably, if, if Chilwell doesn't get a goal and assist, Jorginho is probably my man of the match, to be honest with you. Not just because of the two penalties, like Jack said. It's just the link-up that he dictates in games, and that's what he's best at doing. And, and yeah, he, I don't know if it changes anything going forward to answer the original question. I guess it all just depends on opposition. But my favourite partnership has always actually been the Jorginho and Kante partnership. I'm not sure why. I just think they just suit each other. They complement each other best. Because, you know, I don't think Kovacic has that ball-playing ability in the sense of pinging passes like Jorginho does. So although he's amazing at breaking the press and stuff like that, I just think Jorginho offers a little bit more in terms of technical flair, in terms of dictating play and tempo. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that pleased me immensely was the tactical fouls we made today. You know, when things maybe got a bit dangerous, there was Aspi taking out someone. I think Jorginho as well. And there's, you know, it's probably Kante as well, you know, comes to mind. And we know Palace are going to be very dangerous on the break, you know, in that transition phase. And I thought, again, that sort of just showed. I guess some more confidence in the team, but also some more smartness and game awareness, you know, taking the sting out of, of the team. Because we mentioned it in the previous pod, West Brom did that pretty well against us, making all those mm. tactical fouls against us. And I thought today, you know, at, at various points of the game where you just need to try, you know, get back control, the tactical fouling from us was spot on. It was definitely, yeah, that's a definitely. Spot on, yep. Yeah. yeah, you can't say much more than that. Just breaking up the play and then allowing us to get back into our shape and making them high enough up in our own half that is, those free kicks aren't going to really cause much danger. So, yeah, good game management from the boys today. Yeah, as I said, Jack mentioned our first clean sheet in nearly 70 days. Um, <sighs> how, 
I, you know, I thought we looked pretty comfortable. That back four looked comfortable the whole time. weren't were never really troubled. I think there's only one time Zuma maybe sloppily gave the ball away, but yeah. other than that, I can't think of you know any time we really put ourselves under sort of any serious pressure. You know, we've sort of made excuses. Maybe Frank, you know, the past he's had injuries, but now we sort of got how the it's a stupid question really but how crucial is it that we just you know keep this sort of settled back for for a run of games now because to me you know as much as Reese has looked good in attacking sense he still does leave a lot to be decided defensively and I'm not sure playing him and Chilwell will get the best balance out of the team but do you agree that this is probably our best back four going like you know at the moment and you'd like to see it for a certain like a large amount of games large run of games yeah 100% I mean, Sorry, sorry, Jack. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, go on, go on. No, as in, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, and it's not a stupid question at all. Um, we need consistency. This is we've been crying for this. You know, chopping and changes doesn't help anybody. Um, you know, players can't get form. They can't kind of gauge the other guy's tendencies. Uh, this is absolutely what we need. And the fact that you know it might be understated, but three out of the back four today can speak French. So as P Zuma and you know, Silva and Mendy, they can all communicate easier. So obviously the language barrier between Mendy and Thiago Silva specifically, they're going to take time to gel and kind of understand each other. So it makes it makes so much sense on that side of things as well. Because communication is so key defensively. Um, just to pinpoint players out, you know, shout who you're going to mark. But but yeah, like you said as well, the balance of the side, if one fullback's attacking, you've got Asby to stay back and kind of be that last line of defence. I do love Rhys James, but again, like you said, you know, he's, he is suspect defensively, let's be real. So for me, this back four is definitely the, the best defensively overall. Um, but again, it also depends on opposition. If, you're, if you think, you know, you're going to play against someone who's, you know, you know Rhys has the qualities against someone, against like a low block team also. So it all depends. But overall, defensively, yeah, this is, this is the best lineup for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the first clean sheet of the season... You know, also, I guess what's what sort of I encouraged me, you know, I was an article, I'm not sure if you've seen the comment, account, Miguel Delaney <laughs> wrote a tweet, wrote an article, I've not read full him, but he said that Abramovich didn't pay for, you know, his fullbacks to bail him out and to uh, get, you know, to rely, for Chelsea to rely on errors from the opponent. I mean, we've just won 4 0, mate, so chill out. <laughs> but, but how, like, we've scored 10 goals this season and we've sort of talked about, you know, we've not hit. We've Chelsea up till today. We've not really looked great. I no, mean, I'd argue that first half wasn't you know that wasn't great from us. It was all right. So how encouraging yeah. is it? We've hit ten goals this yeah. year. Burner's you know not off the mark yet in the league, which we'd obviously like. You know, and Havertz is sort of settling in, and we've got Hakim Ziyech to come back. Christian Pulisic came off the bench today, and I thought his first touch was superb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he held the ball up his first that, touch. That, that had me off the sofa straight away, that first touch. I was <laughs> like, oh, he's back. Captain America's back. But, no, like you said, just having those kind of players to still come back now um, just makes it even more exciting after, after the international break. So, I mean, 7 from 12, um, having played the champions as well, is... Not a bad return. Would have liked more, but that's not a bad start. So hopefully we can just build on that from here and really hit the ground running after the international break. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, in an ideal world, you know, we might have said if we could get 10 out, ten from 12, you know, obviously we, we should really be beating West Brom. And if we could have got a point against mm-hmm. Liverpool, but obviously we shot ourselves in the foot in the Liverpool game. <laughs> but seven points from 12, it's, a better, it's better than we had last year. We had five points from our first four games last season. So, I, you know, if you want like an early look, I guess, barometer, there's some progress there. But as I said, come on, the biggest encouragement for me is we've scored 10 goals in four games. And we've not looked amazing at times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. The fact that we've still got, you know, the maestro coming back in Hakim Ziyech. And then we've got everyone's favourite player right now, Christian Pulisic, just featuring for the first time this season. Um, And you could tell that Werner's kind of not fully comfortable on the wing. You know, he drifts into that kind of central position so often. So all of those guys fully fit linking together I, I cannot wait it's going to be probably the most exciting attacking tandem we've had and god knows how long i can't remember the last time we had an attacking force front four even you know with, we had an attacking front three with drogba maluda and anelka but this is this is a different level so everyone coming in it's we have so much to look forward to on attacking phase hopefully they can gel fast and hopefully they stay fit that's the biggest thing for me is fitness and with the international break coming, it's kind of coming at a good time. People can get some minutes under their legs as well as recuperate if they're not fully featuring for their countries. So I'm so excited that we still have so much potential and so much to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, you've sort of mentioned Werner, so, you know, not perhaps finding the easiest out. I've got, got a question on this. Should Timo Werner be back as striker? It, it would mean we have to have Tammy on the bench again. How, would you, how do you explain the situation? Or how would you sort of go about it? I'll start with you on that, Jack. Because I thought Tammy was good today and he was unlucky not to get a goal and he won, yeah, yeah, won no, a penalty Tammy was and good. I think got the assist for Chilwell's goal. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's a difficult one, to be honest. Um, a player of Werner's quality, I, you can't sustain playing on the wing every week. Um, he needs to be playing up top. So, some it's one of those something's got to give there. Um, and... It will be Werner starting up top more than more often than not. I think when everyone's back fit, so obviously Ziyech will be coming on the wing, Pulisic on the other wing, etc. Um, but again, that's just something Frank's going to have to manage because because the season's shorter now because of coronavirus. So we're going to have so many games. So everyone's going to still have to play a big part. Um, but I I think he's like today. He seemed very isolated on the wing. He didn't. He, he was coming in inside trying to get involved in the game, but he was still really struggling to sort of get a f- foot on the ball and actually try and do do something, to be honest. So, um, tough start, but he has looked sharp in the first few games. So, I think just stick him in his actual position and then he'll start bagging a few goals, hopefully. Yeah, come on. You agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Um, I do think Tammy's got a part to play, absolutely. But, you know, Werner, he, he has to be playing centrally because I think just on the base of how we're going to play I think it's going to be a lot more ball to feet as opposed to crosses into the box um, just with the technical flary guys we have in and around that position you know Werner's got probably the best you know one of the best in the world at breaking the lines and going in behind the line of defence so if you've got Pulisic and Ziyech and Havertz coming at you they can all find that dead killer pass. So I think I think 
Werner's going to be the way to go moving forward. You know, he he's just too good, and you you have to utilize your your best players in the best positions. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I guess there was one big talking point when team news came out that was that Mason Mount was on the bench. Um, I guess you know, look, we've said. And people are going to hear this in, in part two that we've recorded. We don't like Mason Mount played out wide because it doesn't benefit him and it doesn't really right. benefit Chelsea. So, you know, we've seen in the 4 2 3 1, there's sort of only one, you know, Havertz in the number 10, really. That, you know, you'd, in terms of getting Mount in the team, you'd sort of see that's where he's sort of competing with him. So, do you think if we're going to play 4 2 3 1, but ultimately Mount is going to have to be the one sacrifice? But also, you argue that today, we didn't necessarily miss Mason Mount. Jack, I'll start with you on that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, didn't really, didn't really think about it till after the game. Obviously, he was news on the bench before, but didn't really realise till after and thought, oh yeah, oh he hasn't played and didn't really miss him that much. But I, I know that we're quite big Mason Mount fans. We like what he stands for, the high energy he brings to the team. So again, I think it'll be one of those that. He's still got a part to play. Um, he's still going to be crucial in this team. But um, in that formation, it's likely that he's going to play Havertz. So maybe he'll be switching between those two because Mount can still play further up the pitch, I think. Yeah. Kamal, you agree? Yeah, 100% agree. And he clearly needed this rest. Um, playing every minute of, of every game is just not sustainable. And then I understand he's got an engine like no other, but let's be real. It's, He's human at the same time. Yeah, you know, I mean, the bloke, the, as the ten, it's it just makes too much sense. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say the Masons played everything every single game apart from two under Lampard. So uh, <laughs> you're gonna burn out at some point, aren't you? So yeah, yeah. It's, he needs a, he needs a rest. Yeah, yeah, he needed the rest, and Kai Havertz as a ten just you you can see how good he is. Um, I like I like Mount a lot. Don't get me wrong, but like you said. As the winger, you just lose. You lose a lot. He just doesn't have that kind of take-on ability. He doesn't have the the kind of division or the creativity to do anything in that position either. So as an eight, he's perfect. But unfortunately, as a four-two-three-one, he's probably going to be the one left out. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, obviously, Callum started again. I was, you know. Again, in part two, you're going to hear Jack and I like asking for Callum to get a sustained run in the team due to the fact that, you know, Frank's given countless opportunities to the various centre-backs, so Callum deserves a run in the team. But again, it's a second consecutive start for Callum after his, his sort of second-half substitution appearance at West Brom. Again, I didn't think, like in Spurs, I didn't think he hit, you know, he was outstanding. I don't think he was, you know, particularly brilliant. But he worked, I thought he worked hard again. And, I, you know, he did create that chance for Tammy late on as well. So I guess, you know, my question is just, while Pulisic and Ziyech, we've you know we've got to work them back into the team. Ziyech hasn't featured yet, so you'd imagine Frank, you know, would, his first appearance would sort of be off a bench, and Pulisic, perhaps similar. So again, just I guess the question is, Jack, just stick stick with Callum. Yeah, definitely. At the moment, I think so. Um, yeah, like we said, just needs more more uh, game time. But I, I do when I watch him, like even today, I do watch him and think. He has lost a bit of confidence um, when he gets the ball. He, he he doesn't really seem to take on a man as much anymore, and he'll just play it back, etc. 
or knock it into the man. And it, yeah, it's it's difficult to watch. But hopefully, if he's getting a few more games, a bit more consistency, then he'll uh, his confidence will start to build again, and then he'll start doing that. Because today he took the man on. I know his his cross got blocked, um, but it still led to a goal. Um, and then later on for Tammy's header, that was that was quality. Took on Mitchell, who, to be fair, is probably another reason why um, he hasn't got past his man as many times because he's a decent young defender as well. So it's one of those. I think, yeah, more game time and he'll be he'll be back uh, tearing up defenses. Hopefully, yeah. Again, I'll pose that to you, Clark. Just give Callum a run in the side. Yeah, he needs it. He needs it. He's a young player coming off that insane Achilles injury. And he suffered a lot just off the pitch as well. You know, he had COVID-19 and people forget that. Um, he had multiple injuries trying to come back. He just kind of couldn't stay fit at some point. But yeah, you know, he's young, he's 19. He needs consistency at this level to kind of just, you know, get at it and find a rhythm. And on top of that, we don't have the numbers for depth. So ZX out. We're not, as we just agreed, we're not playing Mount on the way, so we need a competent winger, and he he he's the only one we kind of have. So giving him those minutes is essential for his career, as well as us in terms of just who we have available. So I, I like Callum a lot. Uh, you can see the potentials there, but he needs to he does need to kick on, and hopefully he does regain some some confidence, and maybe he can get that at the you know I think he got called up to the England under 21, so hopefully he can get a run out and kind of show what he's got. Yeah, like Kamal, Kamal just alluded to, we're short there as well, so we can't, I don't think we can afford to send him out on loan. It's essential that we keep him because if one of those boys gets an injury, yeah, we can stick Werner on the wing, but we've seen he's not as effective there. Mount is not good on the wing, so we'll be struggling big time if we have any injuries, which is likely to happen at some point during the season. Right. Yeah, I mean, especially given Christian Pulisic's own injury record, I think he probably only was around for about fifty percent of our games last season. So, and we've got to manage his workload returning from injury. So, yeah, we are all in agreement on uh, Callum getting a fair run in the side. Well, that was Chelsea's last game before the international break. When football resumes, they'll be away at Southampton, I believe, and then a Champions League tie against Sevilla. Um, obviously, we'll just, I guess, finish on this. The Champions League draw was done the other day. Chelsea in pot, pot one. And to be fair, uh, sorry, in pot two. And to be fair, boys, it seems like we didn't actually get, sort of get screwed over a bit in the Champions League draw. It seemed, on the whole, a very favourable draw to us. Sevilla, the reigning Europa League winners, were the pot one team um, that we had. And then there was uh, Rennes from France and Krasnodar. Uh, Jack, just quick thoughts on the draw. Just, I guess, feelings are yeah, pretty happy. Pretty, yeah, pretty decent draw for us. When you see, like, United's group, for example, um, it was nice to see them get a tough group for <laughs> for once. Um, but Sevilla are a difficult team to break down. But the other two, there's no excuses. We've got to get out of that group. If not, we well, we should be topping it. Um, but if we don't get out of that group, that is an absolute disaster. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ren, uh, you know, Tom Corbin, they are top of the French league, but obviously it's only five games in. And while, you know, they're, you know, doing well, I mean, we beat Lille twice last year. Is there, Just. I mean, I don't, <laughs> true, 
but we did beat them <laughs> twice. And I do think, you know, really we should be winning those two. And then Krasnodar, I think they're making their debut in the Champions League. So there's not really any excuse not to get the two wins there. Uh, Kamal, happy with the group? Should be topping it? Oh, I'm delighted with the group. Um, we absolutely should be topping it. And we shouldn't be dropping points. Ah, I'm going to say it. We shouldn't be dropping points at all. Um, you know, <laughs> we really shouldn't. I, I, don't get me wrong. I respect Sevilla. They're a good team. But we should be going there and either winning or drawing at least. So, you know, we against the other two, you know, Ren, I respect them. Kamavinga is an incredible talent. I want I want Abramovich at that game watching it and saying, okay, we're buying him next summer. But, you know, Mendy should know them inside out and he should be able to give us some tips. And the other I can't pronounce. And, yeah, we should we should be able to destroy, destroy those teams, man. We should be able to top that group with relative ease. And like Jack said, if we don't, oh my God, it's gonna the fabric is gonna implode. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, that wraps up part one of the episode. A brilliant win against Crystal Palace to send us on into the international break. Uh, Kamal, I just want to thank you for coming on again. Just quickly drop your at so people can follow you on Twitter for some Chelsea takes, but also some some food takes that yes, are yes. divided on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's that's my specialty right there. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on, mate. Uh, it's at Lump of CSE for those who don't know. And like like I said at the top, we do podcasts and articles too, um, daily content just like yourself. And thank you so much for supporting us. It means a lot. And we interact all the time um, based on some good and some bad, as we know, between us. But yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all love. And, you know, I respect all Chelsea content because I know how difficult it is as well. But yeah, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Nice one. And in part two, Jack and I are joined by Louis to take a look back at that Carabao Cup exit to Spurs. See you then. Go. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. We're now going to talk about the Carabao Cup exit to Spurs. I'm joined by Jack Davies again and Mr. Louis Fitz. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Jack. Overriding emotions after yesterday's display. Um. Just very disappointed, to be honest, mate. Um, when when I saw the teams come out and you see that Spurs team, you think uh, we've got to go and beat them. When he's leaving the likes of Harry Kane on the bench. Um, I know we rotated, but you look at the teams, our team was so much stronger. Um, just got to go and win. And this was such a good opportunity for us to win a trophy. So that that's the most disappointing thing. Uh, really overall um, I thought we played alright in the first half got off to a good start and then it was just what's been the story of Chelsea for quite a while we just don't take our chances and then the game's at a scoreline of 1-0 where they've always got a chance to come back and then second half they played us off the park really to be honest with you so probably deserve to lose after that half um, yeah yeah no Fair enough. Timo Werner got us off the mark. Aspi completely did Regulon, pulled it back. Werner slotted home. And Louis, to be honest, those first 20, 25 minutes, even the first half, we were just in cruise control, weren't we? It was the best half we've had this season yet by a clear way in terms of actual proper opposition because Barnsley was Barnsley. Um, like you said, controlling the game. I don't think we created as enough as what we would have liked, but you're not going to when you have Havertz on the bench, ZH isn't there, etc. Um, 
it felt like in the first half, going into half-time, although I was satisfied, it felt a missed opportunity, especially with how rusty Ragulion looked defensively, in my opinion. We were having a lot of joy down that side. Not so much as well down the left. Um, I wouldn't say Chilwell looked rusty, but I actually thought he, thought he was pretty solid. But we were having a lot more joy down the right, especially with, um, with Azpi. But yeah, the first half was good, but I still don't think it was us at 100%. You can see that I don't think Drew had a particularly good game. Even within the first half, he was pretty quiet. Nothing really stuck. And when it when it goes when the ball goes into striker and it doesn't stick, it's harder for the likes of Timo and Callum to get in the game because they rely on our strikers to pop it into them and play one twos, quite similar to Hudson Odoi's goal against West Brom. So yeah, it was it was a good good half. I mean, I don't really other than Zuma's last ditch tackle, I don't remember them literally doing anything. But one 0 like Jack said, is always always a problem, especially with the fact that. Our defence is always leaking goals, especially when you have to take our left back off after 60 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It never really felt we, you know, were putting the maximum effort in. Sort of felt, you know, that first half we were probably playing about 60, 70% of what we could actually play like. It was sort of like a training session. And to be honest, it reminded me of the second half against Watford after the restart last season where we just had all the ball. There wasn't necessarily the urgency and we didn't create much. It was just comfortable possession. And obviously the second half starts and that completely changed. Spurs were a lot braver on the ball. They were a lot more on the front foot. And they created chances. And this is the, sort of our first, I guess, talking point we're going to talk about. Obviously, Edouard Mendy made his debut and he was solid. I think it's fair to say. But the midfield, too, was uh, the Kovacic and Jorginho duo. And they struggled, didn't they? They massively struggled against that Spurs midfield. Couldn't really get a foot on the ball. We were just, you know... Unlike the first half where, with no pressure, we were comfortable. As soon as there was some pressure put on, we struggled. Um, Jack, do you think Frank left it a bit late to bring Kante on, especially given Kovacic was on a yellow card? Yeah, I mean, I think we've said for quite a long time that Jorginho and Kovacic doesn't work. Um, played it against Arsenal in the final, in the final of the FA Cup, didn't work. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, they basically do the same job, really. Kovacic does better than Jorginho, but yesterday, so slow. Like you said, couldn't get a foot on the ball at all, really. Um, and the Kante, it's just like sentiment, but Kante changed the game when he came on. Honestly, he was he was a joke last night. He was so good. Just being able to win those balls back and turn what could be a counter-attack into us attacking again. And... Um, I remember like the last five minutes or so of the game, we got control back of the game completely. And the commentator said something about that. And it was just like, we've waited fucking 45 minutes for that, the second half. And even then, we were just knocking it about like, as if we wanted it to go to pens. We still weren't really putting anything forward to go and try and score a goal. Um, You can understand why Kante probably came on later because he's, he has played a lot of football and he's been injured for a lot of last season. So fitness-wise, he's probably not quite there still. So that is probably why he didn't bring him on as soon as we would have liked. Um, but yeah, those those two, uh, it can't be a midfield two of those two going forward, I don't think. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Lou, just want to get your thoughts on 
sort of Kovacic, because look, we'll get onto it later. Mason Mount got pelters again because he struggled last night. But do you think, you know, I'd argue that since we restarted after that long break, Mateo Kovacic has been looked a shadow of a player he was up before the restart. And he doesn't look to me like he's really offering us anything in games. He got subbed at half time against West Brom. Got, um, yeah. And then he, to, against Spurs yesterday, he didn't offer anything, I thought. Yeah, he's been terrible, to put it quite truthfully. He just hasn't been anywhere near good enough. My problem always has been with Kovacic is that even when he is good, he doesn't impact games enough. I've said this on here before. He won't go and win you a game. He won't grab the game by the scruff of the neck in midfield and drive you forward. My issue with him is he, he's pretty on the eye. He'll break a press. And then how many times do we see him dribble around two players and he'll just pass it to the left back and next, you know, we go down the left and then they'll just end up back at our centre-back every time. That neither of them two midfield can really play a cutting-edge pass and with that in the second half, if you're trying to defend and if teams are going to go long like Jose, like Frank said and I think Jose Mount said it as well, neither of them are going to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and try and change things. They just literally steamrolled through our midfield and just to point on that quickly, I don't think Tamori and Zuma were bad at all. In fact, I both I think they were actually pretty solid. I thought the whole game they they both looked pretty pretty comfortable at centre back. And I mean, obviously they were getting chances, but they'd done all they could. The goal wasn't down to either of them. That was clearly because Emerson didn't get in in time. So if you actually had a midfield in front of them which offered some form of protection, which they didn't do in the second half whatsoever, then you're going to struggle. And yeah, like you said, Mount got absolute pelters, but. I, everyone knows I'm a Mason Mount fan and yeah last night he wasn't great and yeah he should have made that pass to Werner but I didn't see anywhere near as much pelt as going towards Hudson-Odoi when he should have laid it into Tammy and said he's blazed over the bar so if you're going to go nuts at Mason go nuts at Callum as well and the issue I have with it is at least Mason tries to create something he's always he's always quite fearless in the sense he's always on the front foot he always looks forward he always tries to get into positions where he can score. He tries to play a killer pass. He tries to speed up the play. Kovacic and Jorginho will happily just pass it to each other for five minutes. And when you look at Chelsea midfields in the past, neither of them are up nowhere near the calibre of what we expect at Chelsea Football Club to, to, to win a league or to even try and win a big competition. And like I said previously, I don't think they suit the philosophy Frank wants definitely not together, um, and I think it's pretty evident that Frank needs needs someone else in there. Whether that is um, Rice, and I know, I know I've previously said about creativity and the fact that we didn't have much of it last night in the first half. But at least with Rice in midfield, he wouldn't he wouldn't have been steamrolled second half. And Rice does allow Kante to to push on a bit more, like in the sense that he did when he had Matic next to him and just buzz around the pitch. And I'm, when I say push on, I don't mean play in the right of a four-three-three like. Sarri played him and Frank has played him. I mean, play him in a two and let him do what Kante does best like he did in the second half. And yeah, like Jack said, we were absolutely pony in midfield until he come on, which was quite embarrassing really because that midfield two cost us, what, 70 million? Um, yeah, close to yeah, 100 that, mil. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I have to say really. It was just, just not good enough. Um, positives. Mendy looked pretty good. It was actually really nice to see. I know he fumbled one cross, but it was actually nice to see a keeper come and demand his, his penalty area and actually come out and try and claim something. 
two good saves, which we definitely would have conceded with probably Kepper in goal. And I think that he'll only get better, obviously, when he becomes more confident and knows the back four more. I think I think Frank's got to settle on a back four. I don't know if we're going to talk about that next. But, but yeah, like I said, I thought Tomorrow and Zuma did have a good game. Yeah, yeah, I will go on to the, the back four now. Like I thought, as I said, it would look... That was... But until, this, like I said, that first half was the most comfortable 45 minutes we've had this season, arguably our best 45 minutes of the season. And then the second half, like, I think as soon as Kante came on, that sort of Spurs pressure went away. You know, it sort of felt like until Kante came on, you always felt Spurs were going to score. And then Kante came on and the storm got weathered and you thought, we will we'll hold on to a 1-0 or we might get a second goal on the counter and we had the great chances to. I mean, obviously, the, the goal comes because Emerson doesn't track his man. But I actually thought, Zuma, as you said, Zuma and Tamori looked solid. And again, I point back to arguably the best football we played under Frank last season was when we had that awesome run where we had that brilliant run of form. I think we won a record amount of away games in a row or something. And the back two, that centre-back combination was Zuma and Tamori. And they got a, and like, and that when we actually had, sort of had a settled-ish back four in that run under Frank last autumn, we look good. And I think, for me, that's the most crucial thing. We've got to try and get that settled back four. Obviously, we'd, you know, you'd imagine that maybe Thiago Silva comes in at the weekend against Crystal Palace. We'll have to wait and see. But I think what the most damning thing for me is we need a settled centre-back partnership ASAP because I'd imagine Chilwell will slot in at left-back pretty regularly. And then depending on the games... Reese and Aspi will probably rotate. I think this season we might see less of Aspi, and he might slowly get phased out. Yeah. And obviously we've got that we've got that goalkeeper now. Hopefully, who can command his box. And as you said, although he might have flapped it a couple yesterday and dropped one, a goalkeeper actually coming out trying to command his box was an encouraging sign to me. So the biggest thing we've got to now do is settle on the centre back combination because if we keep changing it, that defence can't get settled, and you're gonna concede sloppy goals that Spurs goal you know yeah it's quite a good ball in from Regulon but it's not it's that it's easily avoidable in a game that we should have we should have had out of sight and that's the most frustrating thing is that we can't seem Chelsea teams of a pass are able to hang on to a 1-0 win yep Frank you feel we need to score two goals minimum every game to win sometimes yeah, more we needed four against least, West Brom yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah we exactly. We know we're going to concede so many goals, so always need at least two because they'll score one and then we'll we'll collapse a lot of the time. Um, like you said, Nick, like as well. Sorry, Jack. It, I don't think it's just a, the centre back partnership. I think it's like it's a back six as a whole if you include the number six in front, which is Kante. They all need to play regularly in the sense that it's got to be the same keeper, it's got to be Kante in front. And you can play around with the wingers. You can play around with the midfield too. That doesn't have as much of an effect defensively. But that back four, you look at Liverpool, it never changes unless Gomez is injured and Fabinho slots in. But Fabinho can slot in so easily because the other four have played with each other for so long, they can just help him out. And it's all the same with Matip or whatever. So it's not... Whilst the centre-back's partnership is a problem... Left back was a massive issue last year. We know that we couldn't get. He, he played Azpi there. He played Lonzo there. He played Emerson there, which meant that we were changing right backs. Like you said, if if you've got four of that back four settled, you can afford to swap Azpi and Reese James out, depending on the type of game. 
but you've got to settle on that back four. And I'm not a Christiansen fan. I'd much rather have Zoom or Tamori in there and, and alongside Silva or whatever. Or, or for Palace, I'd probably go Zoom and Tamori actually, just because of how they played last night. But if he was to play Christiansen, just give it a run. Like, don't just drop him because he's made a mistake or something. Like, if that's your favourite partnership, just just go with it until it's that bad and that inexcusable when you then have to change it. The problem was with Frank last year, he was so reactionary to every single mistake. It was like one mistake and they were out. So they never really got an opportunity. The only time they did get an opportunity was Zoom and Tamori. And that, that's my main issue with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess a sort of quick word on Callum. He started last night, you know, he had a good second half against West Brom. And for me, you know, we'll obviously get your guys' thoughts on his performance. But again, for me with Callum, it's crucial. He just needs to run a games. It's so, I think it's so hard for him to just, you know, come in one week, then he's out the team, then he maybe comes on for 10, 15 minutes, then maybe he starts and comes off after 60, 70 minutes. He needs a run of games in this team. And again, you think of how many different combinations Frank tried at centre-back last year, how many different chances he gave. That winger spot, Callum barely got a look in last year. He barely got a chance. And I think, you know, we Pulisic and Ziyech out, it's crucial we give him a game. And again, I'll add it, Mason Mount should not be playing out wide. And I think I saw a stat earlier, since 2018-19, Mason Mount has played 101 games of football. That's more than Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. That is absolutely nuts. Now, look, I'm literally just trusting the fact that it's a reliable fact. I saw it on Twitter, it could be someone just taking the piss. But seeing, given how much he played him last season... And he featured a lot, given how much he played for Derby as well. It wouldn't honestly surprise me if that stat was bang on. He'll get a rest now, though, because with Ziyech and Pulisic coming back, and I know we've seen Barkley go alone today, but I, I, you like to think that means Ruben won't go. But when them wingers come back, and the fact that Ziyech can play inside, Havertz can obviously play inside, Mount won't play every single game. Don't be wrong, I still think he'll play a ridiculous amount of games this year because he's important. He gives us the energy in the team. And yeah, like you said, Nick, on the wing, it's just, you wouldn't play Frank Lampard on the wing, would you? And I know comparing Mason Mount and Frank Lampard is ridiculous right now. But there's aspects of Mason Mount's game where in this team, he, may, he can make us tick if he plays eight because of his because of the way he can speed up the game, because of the amount of energy he has. So play him in eight where his best position is. He, he played eight second half against West Brom and he was the catalyst the whole half. Yeah. So keep him there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Went to pens uh, and we lost. <laughs> it's not, it's not. Mendy went uh, the wrong way every single time. Um, where's Kepa when you need him? Um, but, you know, pens is a lottery and I don't think we can really fault, you know, Mason. Credit to him. He had the balls to say, I'm going to be the fifth penalty taker. Put, him, put it on my shoulders. But it's unfortunately one of those things, you know, when you just have a feeling, you sort of just got with Mason, you'd not had a great game, you know, and it was a game really we should have put to bed before pens. And then it's, you know, all, all the penalties have been scored and Mason steps up and you sort of just have that feeling. It's not been his night. He won't score it. And that so happened. And we got dumped out the Carabao Cup. Um, you know, I don't think, it, you know, you can really analyse penalties no, but really, I guess no. the biggest question point a lot of people said should Mount still have been on the pitch at that point in time because he'd struggled 
And, you know, we saw Chilwell come off. I, I think that was the right decision because Chilwell needed, you yeah. know, you can't play him a full 90. Yeah. But do you think maybe that, you know, instead of saying Giroud going off Abraham, maybe Havertz should have come on for Mount, given the no. fact that, no? No, sorry to butt in, but Giroud was having a stinker. And the problem was in that second half, the system Spurs were playing meant that Regulion and Aurier had so much space. Um, so Hudson and Doy and Werner were basically wing backs. So when the midfield aren't getting to grips with it and you go long and the striker's not holding it up, you're just giving them the ball back every time. And I don't remember Drew holding it up once. So that situation that had to be changed. And bear in mind that's Drew's first minutes this season. So was he really going to last a full ninety? Probably not. The midfield had to change in terms of Kovacic and Jorginho. So then that didn't really leave much wiggle room. And when you're on the back foot that much, you're not going to take off your most energetic player. Even if he has a, even if he is having a crap game on the ball, why would you take him off? Because he gets around the pitch. And we needed him to because we didn't have the ball. That's my take on it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think you've got to look at it as well as like, yeah, you say, oh, should Mason mount him? been on the pitch should he have been substituted etc but where's where's someone like Werner stepping up for a penalty to be fair to him you know he was I mean? injured he wasn't fit to take a penalty was he yeah oh, yeah okay. Frank asked him and he said oh no I can't take a penalty I think he something in his Callum. leg or something I mean yeah. Emerson was I mean there's a lot Callum. I know there's a lot of bottle jobs in the team not stepping up taking a penalty in my opinion well, I mean, um as I said, the most. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I was, pro- I was most com- Yeah, I was most confident for Aspilicueta. He just yeah, steps so up, runs at it, and just fucking smacks it in every time. Exactly. Um, even I know what you said. I know I agree. Mount looked nervous, uh, and after a game like that, you think, oh, he's probably going to miss. I had the same feelings, to be honest. But usually, you'd be confident with him. Tammy, yeah. I was not confident no, at I was, all. I was after he missed in the Super Cup. I was yeah, no, I was happy he stuck that away. Um, Emerson, no, what I was like, I couldn't believe he was stepping up yeah. for one fair play. And he had then, a woeful game, by the way. And then Jorginho, after last week, I thought, oh, God. And then Larice nearly got there. He sort of just dived a bit late to yeah. it. Yeah. That nearly happened. And the Mendy but... thing, in terms of him not diving the right way, the bloke's been at the club for a week. Yeah, I like, know. You can't. It, I mean, if, if don't be wrong, if he has faces a 50 penalties at Chelsea and dives the wrong way every time, then. <laughs> Just question marks, <laughs> but I don't yeah. think that will happen. And the positives you got to take from it with Mendy was that there was no real cock ups, and he did add a bit more. You could see the defense was more comfortable with him, especially on set plays. So yeah. that's only going to get big boy, going forward. Big boy. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's disappointing. We're now out. You know, arguably, you'd say that's one of two trophies we've got a good chance of winning this year. Gone. Yep. But we've got to pick ourselves up now. You said the Crystal Palace game is before the last game before the break. As said, when this comes out, obviously we'll know what happened in the Crystal Palace game. So, but it's been you know a slow start to the season, really. I guess a lot of you know there's a lot of excitement, you know, the new signings. And to be fair, I remember in the chat you said Louis, it'll take time. You know, we probably won't hit the ground running till maybe October, November time. And, you know, it just looks more and more, that statement from you looks more and more accurate every week because we just don't quite look like that well-drilled team. And again, you look at, I think you look at teams who were in Europe who finished the season later, Wolves, yeah. they've had a poor start to the season by United. their standards. 
United have looked shaky. City. City. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and then, yeah, no, as, as Frank says in every interview, we've played five games now, including the Brighton friendly. We'd play five in a pre-season. Yeah. So that game last night was, I reckon, Crystal Palace and then international break, you'd regard that as your pre-season. So, and would we ever look at fixtures in pre-season and scrutinise them? Well, no, because they're friendly. And two, because nobody's fit. Well, yeah, these aren't friendlies, but yeah, nobody's fully fit still. And we haven't had our keeper. Silver hasn't been fit, and despite the mistake against West Brom, he was actually, I thought he was actually fine. Our left-back hasn't been fit, and arguably our best player on the back end of the last season, and our other right-winger, neither of them have been fit. So, we've been six players short, and the, the core group of the squad aren't fully fit. And I know you can turn around and be like, for the other squads, yeah, look, Spurs have played a lot of games, blah, 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 blah. But that's that's what I mean in terms of you can't, you've got to take these results with a pinch of salt before this international break. Like, yeah, yeah, we wanted to beat West Brom. Yeah, a point against Liverpool would have been great and maybe nine or ten points out of 12 going into the national break would have been a lot more positive. But this isn't going to click for, a, for... I can't see it clicking for the considerable future because, yeah, Werner's hit the ground running and he's, before last night he'd done everything but score and he's looked at live wire in every game. But he's still not used to his teammates. The teammates aren't used to his run. So he's only going to get better. So that's a massive positive. We've seen glimpses from Havertz in terms of what he can do. But again, he I wouldn't say he looks lost with his teammates because obviously he had great link-up with Tammy. But I don't think the link-up's anywhere as good as it could be in two months' time, for example. We've only just got our new keeper in. Chilworth's played 60 minutes. So for all of that to gel, plus we're looking at our new midfielder, it's going to take ages. Um, Liverpool are miles still miles ahead of us absolutely clear as day because because of the fact that team have been together for three, four years now Like ev- everyone on the team knows what they're doing from Mo Salah all the way down to the youth team players that played in that Aston Villa Carabao Cup game last year where yeah they lost 5-0 but, for the, but you can see how well drilled they are even when Klopp's not there and that's the difference we're still I think which is an issue discovering some form of philosophy in terms of the way we play I think is we'll probably see it more towards the back end of this year but when you bring in seven players you can't judge it on four games like yeah we want to be better in terms of how many points we've won and we don't want to lose to Tottenham but in 90 minutes we've only lost one game so whether that Tottenham team yeah yeah exactly Um, yeah we should and we shouldn't be we shouldn't be three 0 down to West Brom. Granted, but it was three individual mistakes which would usually be seen in pre-season. Two of which are by a player who's probably not going to be at the club next season. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say but, quick thoughts on uh, Mark Alonso's future after Frank absolutely tore into him against West Brom. Is he done here? Go on, Jack. Pro- probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair and enough. I, I'd say I'd say we said before we'd rather keep him, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets rid of him and keeps Emerson now. Yeah, even, I think he's got... even even given Emerson's performances performance last night, the other week he was alright, but I don't know, both think... of them could be gone to be honest. We'll have to see. Yeah. I think Marcus Alonso offers more than Emerson in terms of systems and stuff like that. Output in terms of going forward. 
But the issue is, neither of them can play in our current system. No. In a fullback. Um, and when we play with either of them, it's it's not like playing with 10 men, but teams target it big time. You could see West Brom were going down that channel all game. Emerson was on the pitch for half an hour. Ball comes into the back post and his man's just in there on his own. Like, zoom and more, jump through it, miss it. Yeah, okay, that's, that's fine. But if your left back's there, it's cleared. And he was just jogging back. Um, so that that's actually a worry for me in the sense that if Chilwell does get injured again, we could be in trouble because I wouldn't trust Emerson going to City away, Liverpool away at all. Um, but yeah, in terms of if, uh, do I think that's Alonso's Chelsea career done? Um, potentially. I mean, Kepa's, I thought Kepa's Chelsea career was going to be in tatters after he refused to come off with Sarri, but it wasn't. So if if he apologises and all good, then we don't know what's gone on. But from the outset, looking in, it looks like Frank has absolutely ripped into him and had enough. So, Yeah, fair enough. Uh, final question. Obviously, you know, we've seen Frank sort of play the 4 one this system and this uh, 4-2-3-1 system this season. And to be fair, there's been a lot more sort of question marks, I guess, about Frank this, you know, the start of the season purely because we've had a slow start and there's been, you know, maybe a few questionable decisions in his lineups or whatever. But for going forward, four two three one or four three three, what would you prefer to see? Um, I think if you want to get players like Havertz in, you're probably going to want to play a four two three one, put him in the ten. But to be honest with you, I don't really care. He just needs he needs to pick one. And like we said previously in this pod, just go and pick the same personnel, make it more consistent, and then. The, whichever formation he picks, if he's picking the same players, then hopefully results will start to improve. I think with that midfield, with Bartley now gone, if it's a midfield of, say, Kante, Mount Havertz, or Kante, Ruben Havertz, whatever, or even if it's Kovacic instead of Kante, there shouldn't be that much difference in a 4 2 3 1 to a 4 3 3 because just because you have Havertz more advanced up the pitch, in terms of transitions and defensives, uh, defensive structure and stuff like that, there's really not much difference between the two. All you're doing is pushing Havertz slightly up and dropping Mount slightly in. The issues with it have been, we've been playing without two wingers. We've been playing with a midfielder on the wing and a striker on the wing. And while I think Burner's a good option to have on the wing because he basically operates as a second striker and the fullbacks provide width anyway, if you put Mount in his best position, you play Havertz in his best position. I said, I don't think there's that much difference between a 4-2-3-1 and a 4-3-3. It just depends on the personnel you've got in midfield. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of Chess Podcast. Uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Uh, and uh, until the next episode, everybody, keep Blue Flag flying up. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.